So welcome back again to the second part of the program, uh, Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for staying with us. Uh, Shane is still with me here, and we're delighted to welcome onto the program yet again um, Father Eamon Conway. Good morning to you, Father Eamon. How are you? I'm very well indeed, thank you. Lovely to be with you again. But why, why we've invited Father Eamon on this morning is to chat to us, or tell us a little bit about a new uh, apostolic exhortation that was brought out by His Holiness uh, Pope Francis, uh, I think it's in March sometime, entitled uh, A Call to Holiness. So, Father Eamon, uh, I suppose the first question we might ask you is, before we go any further, what, what's holiness? I think the best way to talk about holiness, and it's indeed the way Pope Francis talks about it here, <coughs> is responding to the joy of God's love in our daily lives. It's allowing God's love to touch us in the, at the core of our daily activity and responding to that with the best of our ability. That's holiness. I think the great thing that Pope Francis does for us here is in a sense he demystifies holiness, really. I think um, people, indeed, many Irish people are very reluctant. You know, if somebody said to me, are you a holy person? Or even if you're, are you a religious person? We didn't instinctively put out, oh, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not at all, you know. And yes, I think uh, what Pope Francis is saying, well, actually, that's what we're called to be. Uh, we're called to holiness. Uh, you know, that's that's really what our daily life is about. It's a it's 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 a pathway to to giving ourselves back to God uh, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might, with all our strength. So it's about realizing that that goes on in what we might call the ordinary goings on of of our daily lives, and I think it's about discovering that and responding to that. Uh, I, I was reading. Actually, I've enjoyed reading actually the the exhortation myself. Um, and just in, in in the first chapter there, which of course is entitled um, "Call to Holiness," um, I, I just picked up something there that I'm sure quite a few people would be would really like to hear. And Pope says we should now grow. We should not grow discouraged before examples of holiness that appear unattainable. The most important thing that each person each believer uh, is that they discern his or her own life and that they bring out the best in themselves. Can you say a small bit more about that, Father Raymond? Yeah, well, that's that's a a very good point you've picked up on there, John. Uh, I think, first of all, we tend to, like we do with all our heroes, uh, we tend to idolise them and we think, uh, you know, we portray only the best side of them and and what's, what's positive about them. But the reality is that saints are only sinners who didn't let sin win out in their lives. Uh, they're saints who didn't allow sin to, to beat them down. Um, and the great thing Pope Francis is, is, is endorsing for us here is something I've often preached about on the Feast of All Saints, and particularly the Feast of All Saints of Ireland, which is that among the saints, we are, we are we're invited to really believe and hope and pray that many, 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 if not all of our loved ones, and the ones who have loved us are among the saints. So that when we too join the communion of saints uh, fully uh, beyond death, uh, there'll be a lot of familiar faces there to greet us. So I think, you know, any of our loved ones who have gone before us, we're all well aware, and many of the time doing a funeral, you know, uh, if you preach only on the good stuff, sometimes somebody comes and say, well, no, that was a little over the top, Father. You know, she was this, or she mm. was that, or he mm. was this, or he was that. Mm. But th- the reality is that all we're saying is not that people are perfect but that the imperfections uh, were conquered through God's love. 
and that God can bring to perfection even what is imperfect in and of ourselves. So I think you've drawn attention to a good point there. It, it would be a bad idea to think that holy people are, are all perfect people. Holy people are, are imperfect people who didn't give in to their imperfections. Mm. But I, suppose I, I think as well... Sorry, John. I was just, I was just going to say that that whole section de- dealing with um, the call to holiness, it's an important one because it, it, it clearly, Pope Francis sets out to try and remind people that you know, it's, he's not talking about kind of superheroes of holiness. Um, he, he, he praises what's called the middle class of holiness, kind of that everyday sanctity of parents who raise their children with immense love, men and women who work hard to support their families in the sick, the elderly religious, and who never, never lose their smile. And that great expression I've seen there is like God's holy and faithful people. And I think that's an important point because... You know, it's 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 not a it's not a sprint. It's not an endurance uh, sport in many ways that, that the Pope is talking about. That's right. And later on, in in another section, of course, he does talk about how our holiness needs to be sustained by faith practice, by being part of a religious community, by prayer, by by explicit prayer, by uh, you know the various devotions that we can engage in, by celebrating the sacraments. But I was reminded here, I remember one time when I was a child hearing the late Cardinal Tommaso Fee preach in my home cathedral of Tuam in County Galway. And he used this little nursery rhyme. He said, Johnny Murphy went to Mass, never missed a Sunday. But Johnny Murphy went to hell for what he did on Monday. And it reminded me, uh, it's not, of course, belittling going to Mass on Sunday, but it's mm. saying, you know, that the, the place we, we carve out who we are essentially is in what we do or unfortunately at times fail to do. Um, from Monday to Saturday in the ordinary uh, everyday experiences. And Pope Francis this is reminding us of that. Uh, so I think, it's, I think it's very, very good, yeah. Yeah, and it's actually, it's, it is something that he draws out again, uh, again and again, that particular section, because he, link, he links it back very much um, to Lumen Gentium. Now, uh, just to remind our listeners, because Lumen Gentium is one of the documents that was produced at the Zec- Second Vatican Council. It's one of the, one of the key documents. And it talks about the, um, the, the, the lay faithful, the, the, the people of God. And one of the things it's, it, it says is that, you know, we are all called by the Lord, each in our own way, to that perfect holiness. And it's that important point that Pope Francis brings out, that the search for holiness is very much um, an individual search in one sense, because it depends on the individual. I'd say it's personal uh, and unique to each one of us, but it's, as you say, it's not private yeah. Of course, our holiness can only be worked out in relationship uh, with others. But absolutely. And this concept of the faithful uh, people of God is at the core of Pope Francis's own spirituality. Uh, it was very much a dominant theme from as Archbishop in uh, Argentina, in Buenos Aires, and very much protecting this sense in a sense of being the, 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 the pastor of the faithful people of God, uh, you know, he he really he really was quite annoyed and angry. For example, with a particular branch of liberation theology uh, that seemed to think that uh, you know responding to the gospel was something very sophisticated, rather mm. than actually something that happened in the ordinariness of ordinary family life, and also that was sustained by the ordinary devotions. He was a great mm. protector and defender of the devotions of the ordinary people of God, uh, like the novenas and the processions and the pilgrimages. And all of these as ways that we nourish our holiness. Well, that brings us on actually nicely to the second part, um, I suppose, uh, Father Eamon, which he talks about a thing. It's called the two subtle enemies of holiness. 
And I suppose for for and the ordinary person that might pick up the the exhortation, this could be maybe the challenging bit to read. Um, you know, he addresses uh, a thing called Gnosticism and uh, Pelagian, Pelagianism. I suppose could you could you break those down? I suppose in any easy sense for people. Well, you know, it's 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 it's. It's funny, I, I kind of thought you might ask me that question, so uh-huh. I, I, I have done a little bit of homework, uh, uh-huh. and you would need to do homework, and this is one of the unfortunate things about some of Pope Francis' documents. So you, you have a lovely chapter that almost anybody could read and would get nourishment from, and then you turn the page, and you're reaching for the dictionary, you know, yeah. uh, or, the, or the history book, and uh, I think that can be a little bit off-putting. It's not the first time that Pope Francis has drawn our attention to what he calls these two uh, heresies, these two uh, classical kind of sins. Okay, very briefly, uh, very briefly. The two concepts, again, are called Gnosticism and Pelagianism. So Gnosticism, it comes from a Greek word for knowledge, gnosis, uh, knowledge. And it dominated really very quickly after the time of Christ, the first four or five hundred years of the Church's history. It was something that the, if you like, the Orthodox or the, the authentic understanding of Christ seem to always have to battle against. And basically, it, it's this idea, and it kind of comes from Greek philosophy, really, that there must be uh, some kind of, if, if only we have the right knowledge, if we know the right thing, and we've got all the right knowledge, not maybe everybody will get to know this. Maybe it could be an elite that will get to know this. But if we have the right knowledge, then we're, we're fine, we're saved. Uh, that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect of it, and it kind of goes hand in hand, is that really what we call the material world, what we can touch and see, um, is somehow tainted. That really, what's pure is is, is our, our ideas. What's pure are thoughts and concepts and, and right thinking. And again, knowledge because we can't touch knowledge. But the, that really, what we touch and see is going to draw us down or drag us back uh, from from holiness. Now, Pope Francis is saying and rightly saying, this is rubbish, and you know it's utterly counter to what we call an incarnational faith. The whole idea is that Christ took flesh. Christ became one of us, like us in all things, but sin, but like us in all things became, and therefore consecrated what we can touch and see, consecrated the beauty of our world, uh, consecrated the ordinariness of everyday human experience, the kind of things we've been talking about already, a mother caring for her child, uh, maybe looking after an elderly person, somebody who, who tries in their ordinary life not to belittle others, but to be caring and reach out and so on. That the ordinariness is that's where we encounter uh, Christ in our daily lives. In 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 Evangelii Gaudium, Pope Francis talks about how the poor, in a particular way, are what he calls the prolongation of the incarnation for us. So just to recap, Gnosticism is where we belittle what we can touch and see. We kind of belittle the world in a way and say holiness means we must run away from that. We have to go to somewhere where we've no distractions and also. Uh, Gnosticism somehow thinks that we know and with all the right knowledge we're, we're saved. And of course what Pope Francis wants us to say is, uh, hold on a minute this year, you, you can know the right thing, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do it. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but it doesn't necessarily going to make you more loving. And that's, so that's the temptation. And he's really having to go, I think, there are a lot of people maybe within the church, maybe fellow bishops, fellow priests, uh, you know, who, 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 who have all the ideas and all the thoughts and all the concepts but don't actually translate them into action. It's interesting, uh, Mother Teresa, uh, you know, who Saint Saint Mother Teresa. Um, people talked about her as a, obviously as a saint, as a very holy person. 
But her understanding of holiness was that you had both vision and action. Having a vision alone without any action uh, is, is, is lovely and all that, but you'll be one of the greatest talkers in the world, but you won't achieve much. On the other hand, if you have action but no vision, uh, you could be running around aimlessly wearing yourself out, but will you really achieve anything of consequence? So it's about Gnosticism would be more in the line of vision and downplay, in a sense, the necessity of action. So that's one of the things Pope Francis, and I think he's spot on the money here. It's just unfortunate that the, the language is so complex. Mm-hmm. Father, can I just go back again uh, just, a, just a, to the part, um, part one there, just for a second there. I, I think it's important because many of our listeners maybe might be also thinking that to be holy really you've got to be a bishop or you've got to be a religious and so on and so forth. And what I read there is that once we embrace our own plan that God has given to us, that's what it's all about. Would that be right? Oh, oh absolutely. I mean, John, you know, the medieval artists, when they're doing pictures of hell, are very careful uh, to paint in there a lot of mitres, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, the medievals realized that having been a bishop or a priest or a monk or whatever else could be a perfect pathway to hell, uh, you know, because uh, you could become all sort of self-consumed with your own importance and so on, which can happen in any way of life. But absolutely, holiness is found in, in every way of life. Um, and the, the call to holiness uh, is equally offered and, and, and indeed, in a sense, requires of every single Christian. Further on, then, in the exhortation there in part three, um, where the Pope speaks about in the light of the Master, and he speaks about the Beatitudes are like a Christian's identity card. What does he mean by that? Um, I suppose that it's by, it's by the, this combination, in a sense, of, 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 of what we know that we're called to, we're capable of as human beings. Remember, for us as Christians, we believe that Jesus Christ just doesn't tell us about who God is, but Jesus Christ actually tells us about who we are. That we wouldn't actually know what it is to be a human being, a full human being, one who isn't marked by sin, if we didn't have Jesus Christ. So the, the footsteps of the Master, discipleship, uh, is, is, is core for us. Uh, and, and in a sense, when, when we let that happen, it's Christ who is in us, Christ prays in us, Christ greets another in us, um, it's actually a great unburdening of the self. Uh, I think that's at the heart, really, of holiness. It's an unburdening of the self, just to allow one's life to be to be lived by Christ, in Christ, as we say in the Eucharist, through Him, with Him, and in Him. So I think, in a sense, that that and and that's what frees us then to be selfless, because the self, in a sense, is, isn't any important. It's it's Christ in us, who who reaches out uh, to Christ in in others. Um, can, can we can we go back to Pelagianism just for a minute, just to clear yeah. the decks on that one? Yeah, sure. because I think it's it's the other one just in that chapter two uh, that we were talking about there. Now, okay, so we're referring to a guy here called Pelagius. It's named after a person, probably between three fifty four and and maybe up to about four twenty, maybe four thirty. They're not quite certain when he died. The rumor has it that he was Irish. He was certainly Irish or Scottish. And basically his idea was that we could make it on our own, that if we do all the right things. So it's kind of the other flip of the coin from Gnosticism. Gnosticism is if we know the right thing. But Pelagianism is saying, look, at, you know, that's all very well, but we can make it on our own. And I think this is a very important uh, sin to draw attention to today, because this is, this is, this is exactly what, what Christianity says we can't. We can't make it on our own. 
there's this very false notion of autonomy in our culture today. You know, we just don't want to be dependent on anyone. And we certainly don't want to be dependent on God. I mean, this is humiliating. Uh, this is humbling. And that's the last thing we want. We want to make it on our own. And so Pelagian, uh, Pelagianism, or Pelagius was of the view that we didn't really need God's grace uh, to be saved. If we did all the right things, we could be saved on our own. And that's so counter, that's, that's so challenged in our culture today. But you know something I find with my students in college, uh, when I do, I do a course on Christian anthropology, the Christian understanding of the human person with them, and you actually see them almost audibly breathing out and relaxing when you tell them, it's okay to be dependent on others. You actually don't have to make it on your own anymore. Uh, it's okay to be what we read in Laudato Si, Pope Francis' encyclical on, on creation. It's okay to be interdependent. And we help each other. We carry each other's burdens. And that's almost news to them. It's actually good news to them. It's gospel news to them. That it's okay, actually, to depend on this. Because in the world they're growing up in today, we have this idea that I am whatever I make of myself, and there's nothing I can receive, and there's no great help uh, to become something out there itself. It's a very lonely culture. So I think Pope Francis is, is reminding us that there are new forms of, of Pelagianism as well, which, which teach people wrongly that they, they, they can make it on their own and they need to make it on their own. So, Father Eamon, um, one of the, I suppose, the, 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 the next sections uh, in, in, in the Apostolic Exhortation is it's this section where Pope Francis reflects on the Beatitudes. And um, yes. for me, I suppose, there, there, was different, there was different things that came out of this. It was, it was quite an extensive um, uh, reflection on the Beatitudes. And as John said, you know, it's kind of, they're, they're, they're kind of the, the identifiers, or they're Christian identity cards, you know, if, if we can live the Beatitudes. But as well as that, I suppose, it was also interesting for me that he, 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 was, he was aiming at two kind of uh, things where you could have people that were doing actions that were, you know, kind of what he called social engagement, but that didn't really have heart behind it or, or that personal relationship with God behind it. Uh, you know, kind of almost viewing the church as an NGO or a, or a charity, where the other extreme then was people saying, well, if you're just doing your faith thing and you're just doing your prayers, that's all that's actually needed. And it's that kind of dynamic, that kind of, if you like... Um, you know that separation of love of neighbor from love of God. Uh, I think that is, is is key. I suppose the question would be there as I suppose, how can we get the balance right between the love of God and the love of our neighbor? Yeah, it's a very important chapter. It's a lovely. It's actually a beautiful chapter. And just like we found in Amoris Laetitia, the joy of love, uh, the uh, exhortation on the family, uh, we had a full chapter on that lovely passage in One Corinthians: "Love is always patient and kind." Here we have a, a similar kind of, it's, it's almost like Lectio Divina. It's a kind of spiritual reflection on a, on a passage of scripture on the Beatitudes. And, it's, and it goes on. It's, it's not just the Beatitudes, but also the rest of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. So it, in a sense, it's the flip side of what we've just been talking about. Gnosticism saying it's all about what you know. Pelagianism saying it's all about how you act. And if you act, uh, you, you'll, you'll achieve salvation for yourself. Here we're being told first of all, called to a great sense of humility. Uh, and he talks about the value of humility and the value at times of, of finding ourselves even being humbled when our own thoughts and our own plans and our own actions and so on uh, don't work out. But getting the balance right, as you say, holding together uh, our deeds and our actions 
uh, on the one hand and holding together our, our sense of reverence and prayer uh, is key. And in a sense, they condition each other. Uh, and I would actually say to you, in the world in which we live today, what struck me very much actually reading this uh, exhortation, you know, schools are bending over backwards. And as you know, I'm very involved in education. Schools are bending over backwards and the Department of Education is bending over backwards. And all of this talk now about mental health, uh, well-being programs, wellness, we're developing a whole new vocabulary. But it's a whole new vocabulary for very old things. Things the church was, and I would suggest still is good at. Things that Pope Francis is reminding us of here. So, for example, in paragraph 75, uh, in that very chapter, he talks about how the world tells us that entertainment, pleasure, diversion and escape make for the good life but we know they don't the more people drive themselves as a, there's a book called distracting yourself to death the more uh, the world uh, calls us in those kind of directions the more mental health problems people have the more uh, disharmony uh, and upset they have in their lives um, you know the, the deeper issues do not go away the deeper hungers for love for care for affection for relationship with God, ultimately, do not go away. So the formula, in a sense, Pope Francis has presented us with here, if only we could get this document, maybe in a more readable form for younger people, but into the curriculum of every single school. This is, this is, this is gold dust in terms of helping us and inviting us to live a balanced, meaningful life. And I would say to our listeners, um, start practicing this, as, you know, as I have to remind myself to do it, to not only have you know times of great action and and that's that's wonderful, but even in those quiet moments, maybe when you're at the kitchen sink, maybe when you're your baby and you're on your knee, maybe when you're driving the kids to school, but try to find a moment of interiority, a moment of where you say first of all thank you to God because that's the most fundamental of all prayers, and then uh, the what I we could call the the prayers of intercession, and Pope Francis draws our attention to the value of those. He says they're they're valuable in two ways. First of all, our intercessions uh, build our sense of trust in God, so we're acknowledging that everything we have comes from God. And secondly, they keep us mindful of the needs of our neighbours, because our intercessions are not usually just for ourselves, but for others as well. So I think the holding together of that balance, so we don't just kind of go out there doing good things, which is important in and of itself, but we're actually uh, holding all that together in our love and relationship with God, the balance of that is found, I think, in, 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 in a form of everyday prayer, a prayer, a prayerfulness in every day. Um, in terms of, I suppose, you know, getting back to the idea that Pope Francis is saying to us, holiness is, 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 is something that all of us can aim for and we must aim for because that's the calling of the Christian life in whatever, you know, in how we live our lives, in, in, in our ordinary everyday lives. And he talks, I suppose, about five signs of holiness in, in today's world. And actually, when I was reading through it, I was, I, it, it, you know, it just, it, they struck me for some reason. There, there, there was five of them mentioned. You know, he said Christians should be patient and, and, and meek. They should be joyful. They should be bold and passionate. You know, it's not something sometimes you, you, we, we hear enough about. They should be communal and they should be constantly prayerful. But the way he presented that to people was a sense of, you know, he first states the negatives of what we should not be. Like he's saying, you know, we should not, not be an anxious. We shouldn't be violent. Uh, we need to avoid negativity and sullenness. You know, um, that, that, uh, that kind of whole sense of individualism. 
um, you know, he says, which have nothing to do with God. And I thought, you know, when you were just, you were saying there about the concern we have for so many young people today in terms of a world where those are the things that, you know, we are worried about for them and for people in general. But then to have these alternatives presented to us again, I thought was, it was, was, was an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful chapter, chapter four. A lot comes together in that chapter. And, you you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the, somebody's made this point, uh, a guy called Rick Bayardi, that one of the uh, problems with technology is that it, it makes it possible for us to so arrange our world that we don't actually have to experience it. And, mm. you know, we can we can avoid any, mo- any, any uh, experiences of risk or of vulnerability. Uh, we can run away so easily from uh, difficult relationships and difficult contexts. We can befriend people so quickly on the internet and so on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we live life very superficially and uh, we can also have a very superficial kind of spirituality. He calls it here an ersatz spirituality. Ersatz is the German word for a substitute, but it's not a real uh, spirituality at all. What he's calling us to there is to practice certain very basic virtues that have always been at the heart of authentic spirituality. One of the ones he mentions there is, is part of that first one, as you said, is patience and meekness, but also perseverance. And one of the things I find about young people today is this challenge to have a deep sense of resilience, to actually be able to deal with difficulties. Again, it's back into those mental health questions and wellness questions and so on. Um, it's interesting, a lot of teachers I, I meet uh, say to me, they can tell immediately the difference between a, a kid who comes from a, a rural, maybe farming background and an urban background. And generally speaking, the children who grow, are growing up on farms, where they have to muck in and do various jobs and deal with nature, which is not always controllable or predictable, they generally have a higher sense of resilience. I think that's very interesting. Whereas urban kids seem to spend an awful lot more time on their, uh, on their technologies and so on and are more insulated uh, from from uh, from from what might be challenging for them. Now I know they're generalisations, but I've heard this from a number of different uh, contexts across with different teachers, and it's becoming a big problem. This issue of resilience. There's a major conference actually coming up on it in in uh, Malta in October that I'm speaking at, and so here Pope Francis is saying, you know, practice this in your daily life. Develop resilience elsewhere. I think it's in Laudato Si. He said, even if you don't have to do without things. Maybe there's a discipline involved in doing without them to build up that sense of spiritual muscle uh, that we actually need. You also mentioned there about boldness and passion, and he loves this concept of boldness. He uses the term again and again. It's a gospel concept of parasia. This sense of, as you say, passion, courage, conviction that comes from the resurrection, really, from knowing that Christ is risen from the dead. That should make us extremely bold, extremely courageous. I've been very, I have to be honest with you, very moved by the people who went out on the street uh, over the last few weeks. And they needed to be courageous. They needed to be passionate. They needed to be bold uh, to proclaim the good news about the uh, absolute fundamental inviolable dignity of human life from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death. We can be very proud of those people uh, who had the courage. In most instances, I'm absolutely certain in a very respectful way uh, to proclaim the dignity of, of human life and of unborn human life. And, you know, that's an example of people. Uh, and they can, whatever the results of the referendum, they can be proud and and and, and uh, uh, grateful that they had that kind of, of courage uh, to do that. And he also talks about joy and humour. And I think that's a very important one, um, that concept of humour. Uh, you know, to have that sense of uh, ability even to laugh at yourself. 
uh, I remember a former uh, boss I had in another job uh, when I was teaching in Dublin, uh, when we were doing interviews uh, for jobs, the one thing he wanted to know was a per- could a person laugh at themselves? Uh, if they could laugh at themselves, he'd hire them. And I think it's a very good criterion uh, because there's a certain humility needed in that as well. But that sense of humour is very important things, but they can't be taken for granted anymore. Just before we leave Chapter 4, um, there's a little bit there which I like, and I think, I think listeners would like to hear something on it too. It speaks about complacency. You know, that sometimes by force of habit we no longer stand up for evil, we let things be and so on and so forth. Not so easy sometimes to do that, but um, but we have to try to stand up for what we believe. And you just alluded to there with those people last week. So complacency, again, is a, is a big issue for Pope Francis. In Evangelii Gaudium, for example, uh, when he's talking about uh, local churches taking much more responsibility for living out the gospel, for responding to the gospel in their own uh, context, you know, in their own parishes, in their own dioceses. He talks again, he says, complacency uh, is the enemy. He says, complacency makes us think that because we've always done things a certain way, we should keep doing them a certain way, even if they're not actually making any real difference. So, you know, this is the gospel uh, edict of, you know, uh, if you're neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out, you know. And I find, I must say, yeah, there are a lot of people who are kind of, you know, let somebody else do it. Let somebody else take the responsibility. Again, the call to holiness is the call uh, to to throw aside the comfort blanket of staying within your own little comfort zones. Again, a favourite phrase of Pope Francis's, and actually take the risk of of speaking about Christ, speaking about your relationship with God. And you know, today, if that doesn't happen in people's families, the last time we were on together, I think we were talking about the joy of love and the importance of the family. But if that kind of uh, courage and boldness uh, to to speak about faith and to speak about the joy of a relationship with Jesus Christ uh, doesn't happen in families, where, where are young people going to get it? Uh, uh, you know, there's only so much schools, even the best of our Catholic schools, can do. And just just as we draw towards the end of this, um, this section, um, the last chapter, chapter five, it speaks about discernment there. And I like one of the things that it says there. It says, how can we know if something comes from the Holy Spirit or it stems from the spirit of the world? Do you want to speak a little bit about that, Father? Yeah, I mean, again, Pope Francis is, um, you know, very aware of the of the battle, the spiritual battle that's going on, the supernatural battle between good and evil that's going on in our world. And... Uh, he's calling us there, he's, he's reminding us that we need to remain close to God in the context of our ordinary everyday experience and in a sense we can live life prayerfully and then through explicit Christian practice, through the sacraments, through, through explicit Christian prayers, through uh, devotions and so on. But it is there is a spiritual combat and again I said there the term spiritual muscle. We need to build up spiritual muscle to be able to live a life of holiness against the various things that can ensnare us, the various kinds, for example, today of addictions uh, and comforts you know, that we can live within that really uh, uh, numb us uh, and, and uh, keep us, uh, I suppose, keep us um, uh, colluding with a, a living life in a way that is less than what we're called to, less than fully human. So discernment, uh, is that process of getting into a prayerful space where we're honest with ourselves before God, where we actually open our lives to God. And sometimes that can happen very well in a in an individual situation where, you know, genuinely in prayer, uh, I, I lay my life out before God 
and it's you know when we talk about in conscience and the place where I'm alone with God. So I can that can actually happen, uh, and I need to step away from as he calls it here all the the the, the culture of of zapping things in and out, uh, you know, the, the fast-moving culture, slow things down, slow the pace of life down, begin to listen with the ear of the heart, as St. Benedict put it, begin to listen at a deeper level. I also think, though, discernment is important in a group situation, in a communal situation, and elsewhere Pope Francis has talked a lot about this, uh, you know, that very often it's not the most educated person, it's not the most powerful person, it can often be the quietest person, maybe, whose experience is very rich, but isn't always uh, talked about or, you know, who has who actually has a great insight into where God is calling him or her or other people. And so to sit down in a prayerful way, near where I live here in Killaloo, uh, there's a prayer group that uh, I join them as best as often as I can. And um, that can be amazingly enriching. Uh, to enter into a process of discernment with the support of others, to take that risk of talking about our own relationship with God uh, in the presence of others. But certainly that needs to go on, and we need these supports, because we do live in a culture that can make uh, responsive uh, prayer, genuine, uh, genuinely living the gospel, very difficult. And Father, we only have about a minute or so left now. Uh, we get caught up for time as usual. Is there anything else in there in, in Chapter 5 maybe that you'd like to highlight or, or maybe the overall exhortation? Um, I suppose what really I liked about this exhortation uh, that's different from the others. So, you know, we've had so far now, we've had uh, the Joy of the Gospel, which was really Pope Francis' charter for his papacy. And there's a lot of things in there, certainly people like me have to sit up and take uh, notice of, like, you know, uh, what he calls a sound decentralization of the church. So there's kind of a structural challenge in there. And then we have the uh, encyclical on, on the care of the earth and care of our common home. And again, there's a huge call there to action. There's a huge call there to, to change our lives, to bring about a culture that's far more responsive and caring uh, for the environment. And of course, for human ecology, for for, for, for the family as well. And then, of course, we had uh, Morris Letizia, the joy of love, on the whole thing on the family and, uh, you know, caring particularly for uh, relationships and families that are vulnerable in many respects. But this one is much more at a, at a sort of a deep personal level. This isn't about being strategic. This isn't about major sort of shifts uh, in reforming the church. I heard this at a very personal level uh, that, you know, I need to tend to the roots of my faith that I bring to all those different kinds of reform and action. But this was almost a bit like a bit of root canal treatment needed here. Get, to get in touch with the roots. Uh, see how, how healthy are you nourishing uh, your, your, the beautiful plant uh, that is your prayer life, is your spiritual life, is your life really. How, how, how are you doing that? Uh, you know, and, and the richer that is, of course, the more you'll bring to all these different projects. And there will always be projects that need to be done but are you tending to the to the roots of your faith, and are you allowing Christ to to guide you and to guard you uh, in your daily life? That's what I heard in this. Father Eamon, thank you so much for spending some time and, and sharing that good news with us this morning. Uh, it would be maybe pick it up. It's a small little book that I've got anyway, very readable. And once I go over it again and again and again, I I, I might just pick up more and more and more. Thank you so much, Father Eamon. We might You're very welcome indeed. All the best, Shane. All the best, John. God bless Have you. Thanks for Father. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.